Welcome back to the Brothers Book Club podcast. We are here in episode, relaunch episode. I should probably still clarify that because who knows when we'll get back to doing a book club entry. I think it's in our future, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I would say. I, I'm, I'm going to remain optimistic on that. There's a couple books I feel like that I'm reading that you, you've definitely recommended or gifted. So it's, it's definitely in the near future. I think so. That's a book club for those uninitiated, um, which probably is a majority of you listening because we did about six or seven of these episodes. It's more of a deep dive. You know, we take over an hour for those episodes. What we've been focused on for the past, what, 18 episodes now is book reviews and recommendations. From the, uh, let's see. Yep. From the Penguin Little Black Classics collection. And this is, um, we're talking 18 today. We're talking uh, Apollonius of Rhodes. That's right. One of our favorite authors, old uh, yep. old Apollonius, you know, named for the great Apollo. Yep. You love him. We love him. World-renowned Apollonius of Rhodes. We don't often start with trivia, but can you tell me one fact about the Greek god Apollo? Just any fact. Apollo. Um, not without embarrassing myself, so I'm, an, I'm not going to do that. Fantastic. So maybe, maybe not. I think the people who are listening now have just gotten exactly the measurement that they needed to judge whether they're going to keep listening or not, because that's what we're about here, people. Uh, we kind of know who Apollo is. Chariot guy, sun guy, probably, I think a man, I'm pretty sure, you know, a god, man god. Oh, yeah. But that's about, yeah, I yeah. think he was the chariot one, you know, bring, raining in the sun, bringing the sun up. Um, we yeah, presume- sun god. Yeah, we presume that Apollonius of Rhodes was not a god uh, because he wrote this mediocre book. Let's get right into our reviews then, Uh, Ryan. Let's segue that way. (laughs) All right. Well, there's. (laughs) I think that was a short and sweet. uh, It's like a pre-review review. review, uh, Sure. On your end. Yeah. um, I've. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'll go. I'll go first with this guy. I feel like it was a lot like you know some of the some of the stories we've been talking about where. There's just too much going on in the beginning with the names and the places and um, like this, uh, this definitely sort of jumped right into that. A lot of the Greek mythology, um, like gods and goddesses right up front, the, uh, the list of characters. I felt like if you can only focus on like four in this story, you will enjoy it. But, um, you know. Uh, entertaining in spots too. I thought, I think we both agreed that this was translated uh, exceptionally well. And I think that's also something that we've talked about in a few other of, uh, in a few other episodes of these, the, uh, I don't know if the translators get enough credit, but this guy does. Certainly. Yeah. It was the first one of these 18 black classics, little black classics that I did feel suffer or that I did feel felt, sorry, uh, suffered from being ripped from a larger narrative. Cause they, of course, mm-hmm. to, to do a 50, I think this was 50 pages to do a 50 page yeah. kind of bite-sized version. They do just launch you in to the first sentences. I think a character saying, Ooh, and then what happened next? And then they kind of tell you, I think it works by the ending, 
But there yeah. were way too many moments throughout this little story where, yes, you're, I think you nailed it. You're grasping at a name you don't know. You know, the characterization probably already happened. You already got the backstory for character X, Y, or Z. And it just made the pacing very yeah. stilted for me because, I, you know, you're doing a lot of pausing just to think, okay, did they introduce that character now? This, like, the only one who really gets full time is right. um, Medea or Media who, you know, the title of this yeah. story is after her and uh, Jason. And, you know, get plenty of time with Jason, too, so you got a pretty good grasp on him. But she's the only character who's introduced yeah, as a new person. And so she felt fully fleshed out, and I was intrigued. So many of the other people, though, yeah. are just, you know, this person's mom or dad or, oh, this reference. or yeah, And, so of course, some gods and goddesses show up, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of how I got to. Yeah, it... uh. It it had like really it had some really good parts like you know a lot of the decent like Greek mythology traditional stuff where it's like man they're doing they're what's what's happening is interesting enough for me but yeah like the people the places and how it all ties together it's just like should I know this am I embarrassed that I don't know this because I feel like I learned it in like tenth grade or like uh you know should I is it worth my time to Google this or not that was uh you know that was a lot of this for me. I think this would be the best time in this podcast for me to plug the Percy Jackson and the Olympians books, which I taught when I was teaching sixth grade. I taught the first one of that series. Uh, Just a phenomenal retelling and both silly and intriguing and clever. I think clever is the word I always use when I pitch that series to people who don't, you know, who okay. like don't want to touch a really kid-focused YA. It's not even right. it's not even really pretending to be on the line between like maybe adults will find this relatable. I of course I found a lot of it charming, but it's just so clever how it recasts all of this mythology. You can just tell he's having a lot of fun thinking like, "Oh, where would Olympus be now and what would it be and wh- what would the gods do? What would they act like?" and what have they been yeah. doing for 2000 years? Where have they been bumming around? Um, anyway, so that is w- probably why I knew all the references, at least to some of the, all the gods and goddesses for sure. And then even yeah. some of the heroes and some of those names, because that stuff cra- kind of peaks its head up in Percy Jackson. So I read through that series when I was teaching it. Um, that's probably nice. why you're behind, man. This is your chance to finally read Percy Jackson with no shame. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's maybe that's the next uh, the book club. That's the next book cl- book club reviews. Uh, was it? Was it? I only know them as movies. Were there books? Books first, of course, as most things tend of to be. Of course, right? Yeah, there were five, and then he added a billion other things. It's like a whole universe now. I'm not even going to get into it. But the the core original series was five books. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe this will turn into a Percy Jackson. Uh, just a new, a whole new book club, whole new podcast. Maybe we yeah, just the, go. If that's Percy a spinoff, if that's a spinoff we're headed toward, then all of my grand plans are coming to fruition right on schedule. <laughs> <laughs> right around volume eighteen, the uh, Apollonius, we just do a hard pivot to uh, Percy Jackson. We're just switching the from the, Ar- the Greek epic, the Argonautica, to Percy Jackson <laughs> and the Lightning Thief. <laughs> It's 2019, baby. No shame. You know, let you let your hobbies fly free. Let your right. interests, you know, fly free. Be proud. Right. Yeah. Percy Jackson, sponsor the podcast. 
Yeah, bring it on. Um, let's dig yeah. into some quotes. Anything you want to start with? Any As you kind of mentioned, I think the translation, I wrote this in my review too, the translation did it a ton of favors, huge favors, because yeah. yes, there was a lot to enjoy in terms of sentence descriptions, just rich uh, imagery and kind of moment to moment, I don't know, happenings. I think the plot kind of lets it down yeah. maybe a bit, but yeah, did you pull yes. anything? Yeah, no, I pulled a ton and I, I kind of like kind of to dive in a little bit more on that. Like there were times where I would just uh, like read like a whole paragraph of like someone's response to something. And I'm like, man, that is just like, that's just really well written. That's just really nicely done. Like some of it seemed like good enough to be like movie. It had like movie trailer-esque like type of uh, detail. And the first one I pulled, um, I thought would be... <laughs> It's like a, it's like a, like Marvel, that type of movie, like opening trailer type scene on page 45, where Mm -hmm. uh, it says the weapons flashed on the eye, like intermittent lightning playing in a stormy sky from black clouds charged with rain. It's like, uh, it's just really, (laughs) really detailed, really nicely done. It's got that like Mm -hmm. thunderstruck soundtrack to it, like ACDC in the background, just like a really... Like you could just see it. And I think that's when Jason is like, um, like preparing to, uh, (laughs) what is it? Uh, plow the fields with those bulls, which we'll get into later. But, um, yeah, that, that one was a really nice, uh, nice little touch for me. That was a good one. Yeah. I pulled a similar quote that I'll read. I, the connection I drew out of it was it had a real Cormac McCarthy finesse about it. That is a, an author who if you know, you've never read him or listeners have never read is just completely willing and kind of a real master at spinning off a description and then letting the thread kind of just dangle out. I mean, it's not stream of consciousness because it's way too brutal to, I think really be called that though. I, you know, it's not, it doesn't, those aren't mutually exclusive things, I guess. But yeah, it's just, it's a, the way you, you pluck at a sentence and then you just kind of let it go on and on and lead itself. And usually that just means it gets increasingly, for McCarthy anyway, like increasingly brutal or, you know, grim. I don't think all of this was that. But there were some descriptions there that felt kind of similar. The one I pulled from 49 was also during the bull fighting scene, which really is the oh, climax. Yeah. That's like really what the whole story is about. Um, yeah, yeah. But the quote is, Indeed, this army springing from the earth shone out like the full congregation of the stars piercing the darkness of a murky night when snow lies deep and the winds have chased the wintry clouds away. Beneath each other's spears they fell on their mother earth as pines or oaks are blown down by a gale. And I thought that was just an excellent... Mm -hmm. You know, it's got a little brutality to it. It's got a little... I mean, it's obviously literally cold um, or metaphorically cold. And yeah, it yeah. was just, it's a great kind of description in the middle of an otherwise kind of summary filled goonlog style slog through, you know, some names and backstories and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. I also, I pulled the, um, I pulled the quote in the paragraph right above that, but I, I kind of agree. I, I like it when it gets like really detailed, like based in, uh, <laughs> like based back in reality instead of, you know, like talking about, you know, kind of like waxing poetic about all the stuff that's going on around it. But um, I pulled one from the paragraph above that 
Uh, it said he he dipped his helmet in the flowing river, and with it, its water quenched his thirst. Then flexed his knees to keep them supple, and if, as fresh courage filled his heart, he lashed himself into a fury like a wild boar. When it wets its teeth to face the hunt, and the foam drips from the ground from to the ground from its savage mouth. Just yeah, that's a that's a nice little visual there. Nothing like the maw of a wild animal. Just to really just to really get the instincts revved up to get the blood moving. Yeah, just flexing flexing your knees, you know, keeping them supple. Just foaming at the mouth, you know. That's a I mean, we didn't grow up as farmers, of course, but we we grew up around enough farmers to know that yeah, you got to keep the body well lubricated and kind of well well fit and stretched if you're going to be, right. you know, doing a, a farmer farmer's labor. Yeah, getting ready to sow that uh sow that field, uh just getting being ready to go at any time at all yeah. times. Yeah, and up early. Though he planted his, I thought it was like midday or at night or something like that. He had to do his task in a day. I mean, it's like a lot of Greek heroic quests. There's a timeline. You know, you got to do this and this a day or by the sun down or something like that. There were some requirements. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was like you have to do all of this in a single day situation. Yeah. I pulled uh, two quotes that were, I think, thematically linked. I was going to ask you if you drew out any that you thought that had some kind of, um, you know, thematic or, or storytelling coherence. There was a yeah. ton of uh, parenthood parables, lessons to be learned by reading this. Mm. This was probably the clearest, at least up through the first half of the book anyway, probably the clearest through line that I had noticed other than, again, the normal, you know, honor your elders and like do all the rituals and go to your temple. You know, it's, just, it's a lot of Greek history stuff uh that you would have learned yeah. about in school but the some of the parenting details were interesting the first one happens early on six aphrodite who i, I think is the goddess of love or romance i don't remember but one of those something like oh, yeah. that her oh, son is Cu- yeah her son is cupid uh, at least i think that's the roman name i forget what the greek name is but you know he shoots people with arrows they fall in love um right but she's having a hard time taming him. He's like a young and like petulant kid. And it says Aphrodite came up to her boy, took his hand in her, uh, took his chin in her hand and said, why this triumphant smile, you rascal. I do believe you won the game unfairly by cheating a beginner. And then she immediately says, but listen now, cause she needs a big favor for Hera, <laughs> which is just pretty good. Right. She clear. And when they, yep. uh, when these two goddesses approach her about, talking Cupid into doing them a favor. She's like, I, he doesn't really listen to me. He's kind of an asshole. I don't know. He's like cheating at his <laughs> games and like not playing with, he's like cheating young people out of money, like being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting scene. I actually had to Google. That was the actually, that was the only one that I did Google because I, they're talking about like, you know, her convincing him to go shoot Medea with the arrow. And uh, I was like, that's Cupid. But then they kept referring him to as Eros. And that's like uh, when you get like the Greek, like there's different Greek Roman like versions, but Eros is the primordial God of chaos too, which I also found pretty interesting. Yeah. He doesn't doesn't really do anything that I say or uh, really listen to me at all. He kind of does his own thing. And, uh, I looked up, I Googled Eros, and it was like, uh, yeah, primordial god of chaos. Would he then have been born, was he like pre-Titans then? That did, I guess just the, the timeline of that is confusing to me now. But I, 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 I had just assumed going into it, because I knew Cupid was Roman. So when I saw the name and that it was a kid-like figure and he was going to shoot someone with love arrows, I, was, I just thought, this is the Greek name, the Greek. I, but it could be some different thing. 
different god, different being? Don't know. I don't know. Huh. They refer to him as Eros on page six, but then it's like he, yeah, it's basically Cupid. Right, right. And I, you know, the the Greek Roman myths differ and the names change, but that's interesting. Then, huh? Well, here here's the important thing. Like a lot of things in this narrative, he just comes and goes. It's you know, he, it's an intriguing couple of lines and sentences, but uh, he never shows up again. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it, it does, it goes, it goes into a little bit of detail about him, like descending from Olympus, like through these gates and then like, you know, kind of like finding his way into the garden where Medea is. And he just kind of is like floating around and anyways, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it is, it was kind of in passing, but I stopped and I had to look that one up cause I was thinking like, Oh yeah, that, that sounds a lot like, uh, cupid but yeah um did you have any parent quotes i have one more i could i could pluck (laughs) out that was the one i didn't i didn't really get that too much from um there is there is the there's the i think you were talking a little bit about like the relationship with medea and her dad yeah like that was like the that was the only one that really stuck out to me other than that i didn't really get too many um like parenting quips or I guess any like sage advice from this one. Well, I suppose the first one with Aphrodite stood out just because you have to enjoy in the Greek myths and I think probably the Roman ones too, when the gods are really vulnerable and showing their weakness because, you know, they're meant to be pretty fallible and ill-behaved, if not just like destructive. So I I thought that quote, her, you know, her being intimidated by him was like, it was kind of humorous in a way if, you know, it wasn't like tragic or anything, but it was just kind of funny. The, oh, yeah. yeah, the quote when um, when Medea has the, f- the conflict with her father for the first time about whether to help Jason was a pretty, I thought, classic parental mindset or child mindset against their parents on 24. It said this led to an interminable dispute between her father and the Argonauts, which resulted in their leaving the decision to her, Medea. She could do as she pleased. And she, without a moment's thought, turned her back on her parents and chose the stranger. Which, right. you know, that's a perfect summation of uh, teenage rebellion. Very succinctly yeah. told. Nice little transition. And yeah, that, I thought that hit just perfectly. Yeah, nice to know that that, um, that old uh, adage has been around literally for thousands of years. Yeah, so, yeah. That's how, it's, that's how it's always been, I guess. And that's the, probably how it's always going to be. The war between the ages, uh, you know, always raging. Yeah, yeah, true. And... uh that's yeah. I guess you, there's a lot of comparisons you could probably pull with Medea after she, you know, I'm not going to spoil too much of this, but after she, you know, gets shot by the uh, arrows or whatever with you know the Cupid arrow and how she how she reacts towards Jason and everything else, kind of you know turning her back on her parents and every everybody in her city or village or whatever. But yeah, that's um. Yeah, that's one of the old, that's uh, it's one of the true uh, truisms, I guess. Yeah, and we're always trying to draw out, you know, I think part of the reviews we do here, what we're trying to do is find uh, kind of relevance and connections for 2019 readers and some classics. Obviously, in some books, it kind of, they sell themselves. But this one's, you know, over, well, over 2,000 years old. Um, and so, it's one of the more relevant things that, you can connect with reading it. You know, if the if the bull if the bull lassoing and the fighting <laughs> and the sword battles don't kind of draw you in, uh, then you know, yeah, there's some some good father daughter 
I don't, you know, relationship stuff. It's interesting. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, that is. Uh, let me see. I think there was one more. Uh, yeah, there was one more that I pulled that I thought was uh, really interesting. The um, the one where it was talking about on page seventeen, where right after she got um, you know, struck with the arrow, he uh, this was kind of sappy, but I thought it was good. It said her heart smoldered with pain as she as he passed from her sight her soul crept out of her as in a dream and fluttered in his steps. It's like another one that you can just kind of see like, uh, you know, that's like something, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It was just an, it's a nice little visual there. I thought that was translated well again. Yeah. It's a very, it's kind of a little delicate metaphor. It's nice. Yeah. 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 I thought that was a, a nice little touch. And the translation does that all over in spots. I, you know, we'll, I'll render my judgment in the review, but yeah, I think it's worth calling out that they plucked for this collection, a pretty well translated one. It's also in prose, you know, they, they, it's not in poems. It's they translated it into poetry or into uh, paragraphs and such into a you know narrative in that way, which, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know if you go and read the Iliad or the Odyssey or any of those older epics. Now, I, I don't know what decision to make for a reader or what to recommend because there's something to be said to reading it in terms of a poem and keeping the form. But a lot of these translated versions into prose are, you know, they're just more accessible, more readable and they have moments like that and aren't quite as bogged down in some of the, I don't know, formal traditional things that can happen. But yeah, it it is a nice translation. Yeah. Let's jump to the author to author section. Let's get into that. I think, uh, did you have any other quotes that you want to throw out there before we do? Um, I don't think so. The author to author I thought was kind of interesting though. The, um, like looking back to like the Roman history of last week, comparing it to, you know, the Greek mythology of this week. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be interesting to get, you know, Suetonius's take on a lot of the stuff that's going on in this book, especially I, you know, with the, relationship with Medea and her father and that sort of that sort of side of it like I, I don't know I thought Suetonius could provide a pretty um I don't know interesting detailed look on that this isn't even I had a pretty similar connection though I wanted to I broke off and went a little renegade this week I guess because my connection wasn't even author to author but it was author to character I felt like yeah. Medea's father basically was a Suetonius type in the story, N- not in that he was chronicling things, but just his reaction to the Argonauts and Jason, he was just he basically he was just like, get the fuck out of here. Like when they showed, they like yeah. snuck into his home and like snuck onto his island. Yeah. And you know, oh, as soon as the, yeah, he, that's true. He, he shows up and basically says, I should just kill you all right now. And then just doesn't, I think, I think he just says he's too tired or I forget the quote. I'll, maybe I'll try and pull it in a second, but that I thought was, not that he sat there and listed everything they did wrong, but he clearly saw this like brooch in, in etiquette and protocol and his disgust was, yeah, yeah you could just sense and feel his disgust. Very Suetonius like then he just kind of gave in and was like, nah, this, you, you guys suck. <laughs> he saw, he saw through the bullshit. I think he was, he said something, you know, he's like, Oh, like great to, great to meet you guys. Have a, you know, have a seat and feast with me. And then he's like, wait, wait a second. You guys, you got this whole thing is fucked. Uh, I'm going to give you an impossible task. And uh, otherwise, you know, try to plot your demise immediately after that. That was pretty, that was true. Yeah, the, I suppose the uh, I suppose the task itself was the punishment. Um, and yeah, we're not trying to do too much, 
don't know, plot story spoilers in this one, but the the journey, the quest that Jason's given to start or to kind of guide the story is definitely yeah. the punishment in his mind. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he caught, he has a couple like funny things. That, well, not funny, but like the way he refers to it, like after it's been given to him, is like uh, I thought it was pretty pretty comical because he knows how ridiculous it is and how like impossible it seems. Yeah, here I, I found the page. I'm going to pull a couple of his quotes because it's worth going back to these. This is very, uh, you know, Suetonius in the Caligula history from last week. I don't think he was recommending punishment, although I think when he got the dis- description of his assassination, Caligula's assassination, he seemed pretty neutral on the whole thing. So I think he was like, yeah, it's fine. And then he got killed and that's about what should have happened. Um, but here's yeah. a couple sentences. It says the king was filled with rage as he listened to Argus. His eyes blazed with fury as he burst into speech. And then, yeah, he says, if you had not, uh, if you had not already eaten at my table, I would tear your tongues out and chop off your hands, both of them, which is a nice little modifier. It's a nice little uh, addendum yeah, there. Nice little touch. And send you yeah. back with nothing but your feet to teach you to think twice before starting on another expedition. Um, and so, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he, he's got the sound and the fury going there. Uh, yeah, and that that just reminded me of the intensity of yeah, last week of back uh, the back half rather of last week's reading. Yeah, very Caligula esque, very uh, very off the cuff, but also really detailed. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I would I would probably read a version. You know, give me that kind of burning intensity, um, but just you know, give me. I basically I want a longer speech by him about Jason and his band and his band of, of I guess, uh, adventurers. I, you know, yeah. Give me a few more pages of takedown like that. I think that would be the style, you know, author, author style I'd want right there. Oh yeah. That's, uh, that's very appealing. Yeah. Give me, um, just give me, yeah. Give me all the details about him, uh, him just plotting Jason's demise and the, the whole rest of his crew from the time he gets there. Like I, I would read that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, th- I mean, this story is mostly from the Argonauts and Jason's point of view, and uh, Medea's too. Which, I, as I mentioned, I think at the very beginning, eh, it was probably my favorite part overall. Like she gets, she has some intrigue in here. Granted, you know, she got hit by Cupid's arrow, so you can probably guess where her narrative goes. But there was still some, in- where, yeah, yeah, she still has some interesting parts. Yeah, I would agree. Well, let's let's head toward the let's head toward the end of our adventure here. Let's find our golden fleece and do uh, some golden <laughs> reviews. There we go. Oh, yeah, we're finding it. Yeah, the great segue. Yeah. Um, why don't you start us off, man? We do a three point rating system. You know, one being a completely pass on this, don't read it. Three being go find it next week, and a two being qualified recommendation. What do you got? What are you rating it? I thought this was like just just barely enough for a two. It was mm-hmm. it was uh it was heading straight for a one, but I don't know. I found the I found the back half to be pretty interesting once everything was kind of set in motion and the, the sort of the table was set. I thought I thought it read, you know, pretty quickly and really nice. You know, it had some had some nice little parts in there, enough Greek mythology to keep me interested some like we said some familiar names some you know familiar like gods goddesses mm-hmm. going on i don't know then i was looking and i had to go back and look at some of the i always do this i guess look at some of the other ratings similar ratings and when i was thinking it might be a two and 
I loaned, I've loaned some twos out to other people to read. And I don't know if I can see myself loaning this one out to anyone saying like, oh, hey, man, yeah, there's something in this that I think you should read. Some that we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know if this is really going to pass for that, but it, I, it was better than a lot of the ones. Um, you know, we always throw, throw Goonlog out there. And this is like, right, a, right. It's, it's a step above, in my opinion. So I, I felt like it, it just barely made it. It's a it's it's like a. It's like a 1.9 and a half. Sure. Like a, yeah, just like barely, maybe a 2.001. I think I uh, sort of fall in line with you, though my, I'm going to tip in the opposite direction. I'm going with a one this week. This to me is a pass um, with a huge and crucial caveat though. And I think I mentioned this up top, uh, you know, when we started, uh, to me, the pacing just never found, I just never found a point where I could completely focus on the moment to moment kind of you know just plotting characters whatever in the story because there were too many times when there were callbacks or character names there's just a lot of those old interjections where it's and i i feel like i have some sympathy or i'm kind of attuned to this because you know if you read a lot of fantasy or sci-fi it's something that can happen to people who don't read that type of genre reading a lot where it's just like oh well they dump too many names or it's like you know it takes place in a fake place so there's too many references to imaginary things or places or concepts so i feel like i'm attuned to it but even this kind of wore on me where i just thought oh yeah i kind of remember who telamon is but not really you know we haven't had much time with him but then now he's he's giving a speech that really matters and i'm like wow why should i care or you know what should i think of this moment what does it mean and so for me it's a one i the caveat though having said all that is i think it's a two if you're curious about just greek writing and you have you know maybe like read the iliad or the odyssey or you're just like I don't know. What's another Greek story? This one seems pretty worthy. If you can find a translation like this one, that's pretty entertaining. I, I think it could make for a perfectly fine read in total or in, in the whole, but yeah, this, this snippet version, I just think too many moments were bogged down with confusion to fully recommend it. Right. Yeah. Say you're, you know, say you're really into Percy Jackson, you've blasted <laughs> yeah. through all five novels in the, in the collection and you're just looking for, just looking for a little fix, something, you know, a little side story that, you know, have some familiar faces and that sort of thing. Then it's a three. Man. Then it's a must No, if you're a Percy Jackson listener or reader and you're listening to this, firstly, I'm honored, completely flattered you'd spend your, your time with yeah. me and with us, with me and please, Ryan. Please email us. Yeah, please email yeah. us and uh, share your story. As always, the email's on the stump one. That's the number one at gmail.com. Yeah, tell me about your Percy Jackson love. I will reciprocate. But no, I think the yeah. – I, I can't think of two – more harshly contrasting styles of writing than taking an ancient Greek <laughs> poem or myth or whatever uh, and and comparing it to the Percy Jackson, which is like, it's like a quip a minute, you know, he's, his characters are teens yeah. that are just constantly flinging stuff. And there's, uh, yeah, he's like a, Honestly, it's like a kid with a back. In that book, it's it basically every chapter is there's a new action sequence once the stories get going. You know, once you're into chapter like eight, nine, ten, it's like there's an action sequence sure. a chapter, and there's some new allusion to Greek mythology. A majority w- of which are quite clever. That's again, I always come away with from those books describing them to people, and I, that's the word I always come back to. Because there's yeah, just there's books. just too many times in those, and maybe I'm just a sucker, and you know I'm a history like ignoramus or something. But there were too many times in those books when I was like, damn, that's like how did how did anyone think to tell that story that way before? It's like ah, that's pretty funny. That's like a, a pretty genius way to work in this into a modern context. I don't know. 
So there you go. Yeah. That's my official three-star review of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the lightning, <laughs> the lightning thief. <laughs> we thank you for your time, and uh, that's exactly how we're going to wrap up this yep. week's episode. Yep. I'm going to title this one uh, appropriately. Uh, I'm going to call it Jason and Percy, the Jason and Percy episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, no one, yeah, forget Medea. She's uh, she's unimportant. It, it's all about Maybe Percy. Maybe I'll go with Medea and, and Percy then. Because really, yeah, J- Jason's yeah. part in this was, he had his moments too, actually. But no, I think. Yeah, per- per- Percy's, Percy's the real man in this story. Uh, he's the real guy. Yeah, well, he starts off as a boy. It's a classic Bildungsroman type, you know, type of uh, series. You'd have to read it to find out. Boy becomes man, man becomes immortal. It's, uh, it's the old, it's the classic classic recipe man, right man there. feuds with his uh mother's abusive stepfather figure i mean he really does he checks a lot of the manliness boxes you know he confronts confronts a, an, a, yeah. an abusive male figure in his life stands yeah. up to his real father who is poseidon that's a book one spoiler but what are you gonna do uh, yeah well you know without without you know giving too much away uh yeah, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to look forward to in those. Yeah, that's right. I think you that's, find that out in chapter I, I, eleven. So no big deal. No big deal. It's just uh, it's what we might be talking about next week in volume nineteen. Here we go, uh, Percy Jackson. But it's uh, it's going to be Olala by Robert Louis Stevenson. Yeah, Lewis. I think it's Robert Lewis. I think it's Lewis. He was Scottish, uh, which I just Googled because I thought he was English. So I'm glad I didn't confuse that. Yeah, he wrote Treasure Island. That, that's the thing I knew him from. Oh, yeah. uh, he he okay. also wrote Jekyll and Hyde, though, which has actually a much longer go. title, I think. But anyway, um, right. yeah, okay. he's, I think, most famous for Treasure Island and Jekyll and Hyde, probably. But this is a novella, so, you know, shorter novel of his. The description is calling it a chilling Victorian Gothic novella about decaying aristocracy, vampirism, and tormented love. That is a three for three relevancy to 2019, <laughs> baby. We're still riding vampires pretty high. Tormented love, yeah. never out of fashion. And decaying aristocracy, yeah. I feel like people are, are frothing for that. Oh, yeah. Every, you know, yeah. <laughs> frothing's a good term that's the right term yeah people Uh, are hungry yeah decaying aristocracy will be the theme next week among i guess vampires and other things yeah we'll find out uh yeah when we read uh, robert louis stevenson uh and in that time we'll see you between the classics 